Welcome to the Illuminated Word Podcast. Each day we'll look at a text from the weekly readings from the Westgate Church Bulletin. We will look at background material and also application of the text. So once again, welcome to the Illuminated Word Podcast. Our reading today comes from John chapter 9, verses 1 through 7. As we're going through the Gospel of John, you'll notice that we've gone through a period of controversy. In chapter 8, Jesus was still at the Feast of Tabernacles. And we come to chapter 9, we're still at the Feast of Tabernacles. And in chapter 8, Jesus was talking to a group of people and they got into a, a discussion about Abraham and a discussion about being free from sin. And so these people bristle at Jesus for saying that they are slaves. And they remind Jesus they're slaves to no one, that they are children of Abraham. And Jesus makes a very strong statement saying, you're slaves to sin and actually your father is the devil. And that really didn't win the crowd over, by the way. They were very angry with him for that. But they almost went over the edge when Jesus said a very striking statement. He said, you know, Abraham looked forward to my day. He saw it coming and he was glad. And then Jesus says something really, really controversial. He says, before Abraham was, I am. Now he is quoting directly from Exodus 3 when, remember Moses has this theophany, God appears uh, before him in the, in the burning bush and sends him to Egypt on his mission uh, to liberate God's people. Um, and then Moses asks God a question. Hey, if they ask me who you are, what do I say? And God says, tell them, I am. So Jesus is saying that same God who met Moses at the burning bush is standing before you. I am God in flesh. Then they want to kill him. They take up stones to kill Jesus at the end of chapter 8. Jesus slips out of the temple and gets away. And now he comes upon this man that's been born blind. So this transitions directly, seamlessly into this story. He's just said, I'm the great I am. He's at the Feast of Tabernacles. He meets this guy that's been born blind. Now, blindness and the healing of blind people is a theme you find all through the Gospels. If you look at Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you're going to see Jesus healing blind people. Every Gospel relates stories like that, like blind Bartimaeus and Jericho in, in Mark's Gospel. There's two blind men that Jesus healed in Matthew's Gospel in Galilee. There's a blind man healed in Bethsaida, another one in Jerusalem. So there's multiple instances where Jesus heals blind people. And blindness was an issue in the ancient world just like it is today, even more so. A lot of modern medicine and and techniques that we have today, people uh, that would normally have gone blind today still uh, keep their sight because of modern medicine. But in the ancient world, with a lack of modern medicine, a lot of people experience blindness to all kinds of issues. So blindness was a problem. And Jesus came to give sight to the blind. That's one of the things that's prophesied about him. So this is a theme you're going to see over and over again. So Jesus meets this blind man. But I want you to really notice at the beginning of this exchange, the misconception of the followers of Jesus, his disciples, and what's really going on in this story. So let's get to our reading. This is John 9, 1-7. through As he passed by, he saw a man born blind from birth. And his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, It was not that this man sinned or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. We must work the works of him who sent me while it is still day, not as coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Having said these things, he spit on the ground and made mud with the saliva. Then he anointed the man's eyes with the mud and said to him, Go wash in the pool of Salaam, which means sent. 
So he went and washed and came back seeing. Notice the misconception in verse 2. The disciples asked this very pointed question. Great teacher, rabbi, who sinned, this guy or his parents? Now, if he was born blind, there's not a lot of personal sin he could have committed himself. But was it his parents that sinned, possibly, that caused that? This is a common belief that people still have today, that because of sin, people are cursed. You know, Because of maybe a sin of an ancestor, there's this ancestral curse that comes on a group of people. And I will say this as a caveat real quick before I get into this. There is a sense of when you do sin and you make horrible choices and you live outside of God's will, you will have consequences that will come your way. You live in a certain way, you will reap the consequences for what you do. So I'm not talking about that as we go through this this verse. What I'm talking about is where you have a poor person, maybe we could even call them an innocent person, that's really done nothing yet, but they receive hardship because of the bad choices of others. So in this, is it really true that people have hardships, things like this guy that was born blind because God's cursing this child because of the activity of his parents? I don't think that's what's happening here. And I think Jesus pushes back on that and says, look, his parents, you know, they weren't the ones that sinned. This man did not sin. Now, Jesus is not saying they're, they're perfectly sinless. Uh, but he's making the point that this is a misconception the disciples have. His blindness doesn't come because of some curse because of sin because of his parents or ancestors. But in verse 3, this is where it gets confusing with the answer of Jesus. Let me go back to this confusing part. In verse 3, let me just read that whole verse again. Jesus answered, It was not that this man sinned or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. Stop right there. One misconception that people can read into this passage, very common is, but that the works of God might be displayed, tracks back with the beginning, the preceding sentences. And what you would have Jesus saying here is, this man was born blind for this specific purpose for this day. So I could work this miracle and that God's glory be manifested through that. So God chose him to be be born blind just so Jesus could work this miracle. That's not much better than the misconception of the disciples. But in the Greek, you have what some would call a purpose clause. And in John's gospel, many times, a purpose clause tracks with the next sentence. So what does the next sentence say? In verse 4, Jesus says this, We must work the works of him who sent me while it is still day, not is coming. So what Jesus is saying, let's just, just, just read through this and think about what he's saying. He's saying something like this, But so that the work of God may be displayed in his life, we must do the work of him who sent me. See, the the glory that's going to be displayed in this guy's life, the work that's going to be displayed in his life, the purpose, what it's pointing toward is the idea of Jesus doing the work of him who sent him. By Jesus healing this man, that's what that purpose clause is all about. The man, Jesus is not saying this man was born for this moment, I don't think. I don't think that's what the Greek is saying. I think what Jesus is saying is this idea of the work of God being manifested in his life comes about because Jesus is going to carry out his mission. And part of Jesus' mission is to bring sight to the blind, uh, to, to free the captives, as is prophesied in the Old Testament. So maybe that makes a little bit more sense to you today, uh, that this guy's blindness is not because his parents were cursed or he was cursed. And this idea of when Jesus says that the work of God would be displayed in his life, it doesn't mean that God cursed this guy with blindness so he would 
make a really good story in John chapter 9. This idea of the work of God being in his life is because Jesus is doing his, his mission. He's bringing sight to the blind. There's another part of this passage that, that is helpful too and, and actually can correct some misconceptions in our modern world. Jesus makes mud and puts it on the guy's eyes. And he tells him to go wash in the pool of Siloam. I would call this sacramental theology. And what I mean by what I mean by sacramental theology is that God can take physicality. God can take physical, material things and bring about spiritual blessing. And boy, do we have a problem with that in the modern church. Uh, I would say one of the, the heresies that is coming back from the early church is Gnosticism. And Gnosticism is this idea that, you know, it's all about escaping into the spiritual realm, that, that the material world is evil and bad and all matter. You know, we repudiate matter. And the problem with that is that is Platonic. And I'm thinking of Plato in, in Greek philosophy. That is Platonic and not Christian. It's definitely not Jewish. The Jewish people understood that, that matter was created by God. Material things were created by God. So Jesus had no problem with taking physical things and imparting spiritual blessing. Now, let that sink in, because that's going to transform how you see things like the Lord's Supper, what some would call the Eucharist, and things like baptism. I hear all the time that, you know, well, baptism can't bring about any spiritual blessing whatsoever. For people that say that, they're really standing way outside the line of Christian thought. I mean, you can go back and look at even the Protestant reformers like Martin Luther and John Calvin, and they believe that something really did happen in baptism, that there was actual grace being given in these what we would call physical events. But I hear people say a lot of times, well, you know, it's it's what's in your heart. Um, there, no, no physical, no outward action can can bring about blessing or grace. And I'm thinking, okay, well, that that's not Christian. That's not Jewish. That's more Gnostic. So we have to be careful with that because that is in the water and a lot of bad theology that we see these days. I hate to get on my soapbox on that one, but when you look at the Gospels, you see a world where God has no problem with using physical things to bring about spiritual blessing. Just think of Naaman uh, was told to dip in the Jordan River seven times to be healed of his leprosy. So God throughout scripture has been using matter and material things to give spiritual blessings of, of all kinds. So we should not think along those lines. So just remember today, I know we're out of time. I've kind of gone over on this passage today, but just what we've learned so far is the work of Jesus. Jesus comes to give sight to the blind. He comes to, to liberate the captives. He, he brings grace and mercy. Uh, throughout his ministry, he is sent to do these things. And that, that God can impart spiritual blessing, even in this material world. That this is our Father's world. He did create a good creation. Yes, it's fallen, but God created a good creation. He wants to redeem it. Uh, and the incarnation of Jesus is the ultimate sign of that God becoming flesh. Well, I hope you have a great day. Uh, I hope this, this week is going well for you, and I would love to see you back with tomorrow's podcast as we continue through the Gospel of John.